Today, we are continuing our series on the character of God. This series inspired from the book of Exodus, chapter 34, verses 6 and 7. And our focus today is on the God of mercy. So what I'd like to do over the next 20 minutes or so is to look at the character aspects of mercy by looking firstly into the Old Testament and then to look at the Son, Jesus, and then looking at what this means for us. So firstly, let's look at the Father. Let's look at this verse in Exodus. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Now, I know we are looking at the topic of the God of mercy. But my first point may seem a little bit obvious. But I don't think that you can separate out one aspect of God's character without looking at the others. They all reflect one another and flow out of one another. So if you want to look at one aspect of God's character, you have to consider the others. I learned this looking at the Beatitudes, but more of that later. Our God is a God of grace, compassion and love. He loves us. He loves his creation and his mercy to us flows out from that heart of grace, of compassion and of love. Believe it or not, uh, we worship a gentle God. Exodus 34 says he is slow to anger. Gentleness is another character aspect of God. You just have to look into the Bible to see God's love and restraint time and time again for the mistakes people make. His mercy flows from a gentle heart of love. He is a faithful God. When we are faithless, we find a God who makes promises and who keeps them. Mercy flows out of that heart of faithfulness. He's willing to forgive wickedness and sin time and time again. And yet we see in Exodus 34 verses 7 that he's a God who loves justice. But that justice is intertwined with grace, compassion, mercy and love. In Exodus 34, that last verse, by the way, doesn't mean to say that innocent children will face the wrath of God over the sins that their parents committed. But what God is reminding his people that every generation is accountable. He's encouraging future generations not to repeat the mistakes their parents and the sins of their parents made in previous generations. So I don't think that you can separate off one aspect of God's character 
from the others. They all flow out of one another and are underpinned by his wonderful heart of love. So in a way that brings home what a great God of mercy we have. So much so that he made a way for all the rebellion, all the wickedness and sin throughout all generations would be dealt with by Jesus, God's son, by God himself. That is the ultimate act of mercy. He made a way and took all of our sin and wickedness on himself. So we worship a merciful God who is compassionate and forgiving, who loves us and will walk with us through the trials of life. In looking at the character of God, I found a wonderful quote that demonstrates how the aspects of grace and mercy in God's character are intertwined. Grace is when God gives us what we don't deserve. And mercy is when God doesn't give us what we do deserve. We don't deserve all of his love and care over us. We don't deserve to have all our mistakes and sins forgiven. We don't deserve to be acquitted before the judge of the universe. To be adopted into the family of God, to have been given the gift of eternal life. Both grace and mercy flow out of God's love and compassion for us. Grace in bestowing upon us his favour to become children of God, to give us salvation and eternal life. Mercy not to give us actually what we do deserve, that is eternal separation from God. How amazing is that? You know, there are so many examples of God's mercy in the Bible. Even from the beginning, we see Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3. In verse 21, they just sinned against God and disobeyed him. Yet God demonstrates his grace and mercy to them. The Bible says that God covered their nakedness and shame with the sins of a sacrificed animal. What a good father. He demonstrates his love for them by helping them and covering them. And what a prophetic voice to us as Jesus' sacrifice covers all of our nakedness and shame. You know, in looking at the mercy of God, I could have looked at the subject of Hagar, who was destitute in the desert, but found by the God who sees. That's in Genesis chapter 16. I could have looked at the wonderful story of Ruth, the Moabite, who, who then became the great grandmother of King David by the mercy of God. You know, I could have looked at the mercy shown by God to King David, following his adultery and murder. Or the mercy shown to the people of Nineveh in the story of Jonah. But for me, the big story of the Old Testament 
is the people of Israel. Time and time again, God demonstrates his mercy for his people. Time and time again, the people of Israel, they mess it up, they rebel, they make mistakes, and God doesn't give them what they deserve, but he gives them what they don't deserve. Even in the context of our verse in Exodus 34, just two chapters before it, the people of Israel have rebelled against God. They think Moses has died on Mount Sinai and with the support of Aaron the high priest, they get all of their gold together and they fashion it into a golden calf. Having seen all the miracles that God wrought for them, all the plagues that were, uh, were, that were wrought on the Egyptians to release the Israelites from slavery, having passed over the Red Sea on dry land and seen that miracle and seen the Egyptians wiped out, their enemies destroyed as the flood waters came back. Having seen God provide uh, miraculous food in the desert in the, in the form of manna and quail and the water miraculously flowing out from the rock in the desert. They still think that God can be worshipped. The God of the universe can be worshipped in the form of a golden calf. God is pretty angry at this point, but he relents. And not only that, in chapter 10, verse 34, we see God make a covenant with Moses. He says this, before all your people, I will do wonders never before done in any nation of the world. The people you live among will see how awesome is the work that I, the Lord, will do for you. This is God's mercy outworked. The people of Israel don't get what they deserved, but instead they get God's love and presence as they move forward into the promised land. So what about Jesus? In the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verse 15, it describes Jesus as the image of the invisible God. Verse 19 says that for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. So in Jesus, we see the character of God. For me, during my sabbatical, I spent about seven to eight weeks uh, reading and studying the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel. I loved reading Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones and John Stott, and they would say that the Beatitudes are character traits that arise in every believer as the Gospel takes hold of our lives. It's not that some become poor in spirit, whilst others mourn and still others become meek. These eight Beatitudes take hold of every believer as we give our lives to Jesus and allow the good news of God's Son to permeate our whole lives and allow the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts. The amazing thing is, 
that there appears to me, having studied and read, there seems to be one thing that the theologians throughout the ages all agree on. And that is that Jesus himself fully embodied these Beatitudes. How amazing is that? To find something that actually all the theologians agree on. But more than that, when you look into the Beatitudes, you actually see the character of God in Jesus. Through the Beatitudes, we find a saviour who is humble and gentle in spirit, who mourns for the sin around him, whose heart's desire is for God's righteousness and kingdom, who is pure in heart and who is the great peacemaker and who is not afraid to pay the ultimate price for us. When I started my sabbatical, I prayed, God, I'd really like to encounter you in a fresh way. Little did I realise that in looking at the Beatitudes, I did just that. I found the character of God in a new way. So to find at the heart of the Beatitudes, the fifth Beatitude, blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. This shows us how important mercy is to Jesus and how important it is as part of his character. These Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount are like Jesus' manifesto. He stops a massive healing ministry to draw his disciples aside. They go on a retreat. They might be surrounded by crowds of people, but they go, uh, they draw aside and Jesus begins to teach them. He teaches them about how to live and what following him looks like. To the religious people, twice Jesus quotes Hosea 6, Verse 6, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And this is quoted to the Pharisees when Jesus is faced with their religiosity. Maybe some of us need to learn to also need to learn what this means. Jesus also demonstrated mercy of God time and time again to Zacchaeus the chief tax collector not just a tax collector collector but the chief collect, uh, tax collector the worst of the worst to the Samaritan woman at the well or the woman caught in the very act of adultery what about the woman who uh, touched Jesus garment who had the issue of blood. In his parables, mercy plays a massive part. The prodigal son doesn't receive what he deserves, having squandered his father's wealth. Instead, he receives what he doesn't deserve, restoration as a son. In the parable of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10, the expert of the law at the end of the parable describes the kind acts that the Samaritan has shown 
and describes them as mercy. And Jesus' response is, go and do likewise. So what about us? Micah chapter 6 verse 8 says this. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before or with your God. This verse reflects the heart of God. Throughout the Bible, there are various Greek and Hebrew words translated as mercy. But as a guide, Young's Analytical Concordance gives the following meanings. To be gracious, to pardon or to cover, to be appeased, to show loving kindness. But I love that quote that combines grace and mercy. Grace is when God gives us what we don't deserve. And mercy is when God doesn't give us what we do deserve. What would life be like if this is how we treated others? Just think for a minute how you and I have been wronged in the past. How different would things be if we could have acted differently? The thing is that when we're hurt by others, whether it be verbally or physically, our natural response is to fight back in word and in deed. In the Old Testament, God even recognised this, so much so that he gave the Israelites a law, uh, a life for a life, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. This sought to limit retaliation and revenge, to set a boundary on it. But looking through it, it didn't display God's heart. And in Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 to 42, we see Jesus reveal God's heart behind the law. Here we're actually told not to retaliate out of violence, but to turn the other cheek, to go the second mile, to love our enemies, to follow Jesus' example of how he lived. You know, I'm humbled when I read in the news of examples of forgiveness. And I'm not just talking about people like Mother Teresa who saw, uh, who cared for the poor and the dying in Calcutta, who says that she saw all of those as Jesus in disguise. But when we read articles about forgiveness you know, um, I found one the other day of a lady who, whose son had been murdered by another young man who served, went to prison for 17 years. But over that 17 years, she reached out to him. She forgave him. And now she carries a picture of her son in a locket together with hers. And on the other side is the young man who was the, the murderer of her son. They're now friends. They live next door to one another. How amazing is that? 
how humbling it is to see those stories of forgiveness and mercy and grace. But when I look at the Beatitudes, these character traits, they're not natural character traits. And the biggest sign that Jesus Christ, that the gospel is impacting our life, that is that these Beatitude character traits are displayed in our lives. It's only by allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts and lives by recognising that we are spiritually empty before God. To mourn over the sin in our own lives and the sin we see around us by allowing the Holy Spirit to help us not to respond in anger, but to respond out of gentleness and of control, reacting out of a life that seeks his kingdom first. These beatitudes are an emptying of ourselves. In the words or the prophetic words of John the Baptist, he must become greater. I must become less. As we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, mercy will be the fruit. And as the beatitudes show us, mercy will be our reward. This fifth Beatitude is the only beatitude where the reward is more of the same. The mercy full, or those full of mercy, will receive more mercy. And the mercy full are expected to pass that on to others. We have received his grace and mercy. But it's not easy. I'm not going to stand here and claim that demonstrating mercy is easy. We need the presence, the life and the Holy Spirit flowing through us to demonstrate God's presence and life to others. But to not give others what they deserve is tough. We need the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts so that when we are wronged, instead of retaliating, we are gracious and kind. In God's kingdom, mercy triumphs over judgment. Let me pray. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to understand more of your character that you'd pour out your spirit upon us, that you would transform our hearts and minds. Lord, that we would know more of your grace and mercy. And that Lord, as we receive grace and mercy and have received grace from, and mercy from you, Lord, that you would help us to display that to the people around us. Father, forgive us for when we have not behaved as you would have us behave. But Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would lead us 
and that, Lord God, that we would uh, be a people who show those around us your love, your grace and your mercy. Amen. Thank you.